2: Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Uh, Sad news this morning, the passing of Coach Mike Leach. And uh, we'll share some emails from listeners. We'll hear from Mitch Sherman, Bill Bender, in today's show. But guys, Chris Schmidt, uh, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, uh, we're going to make today about uh, the Pirate. Going to honor the Pirate. Uh, totally one of our favorite guests and just a good dude. Uh, I've, I've said that a lot today, but a great dude, very caring, uh, very generous with his time. And uh, he treated people uh, just fantastic. He made a lot of people's day or moment or uh, just night. Uh, and, and he'd spend so much time, whether you're making a cup of coffee or wanting to get a selfie there was footage today of of leach taking pictures in the stand this might have been year one at washington state or year two well his team's brawling literally brawling <laughs> on the field pirates up there in the student section getting selfies but um uh, we are so heartbroken for his family and his football family is family family and All those that have been uh, touched by Coach Leach, and this is the statement uh, earlier this morning from Mississippi State in a statement the family uh, released today. Mike was a giving and attentive husband, father, and grandfather, and he was able to participate in uh, organ donation at the UNMC as a final act of charity. We are supported and uplifted by the outpouring of love and prayers from family, friends, Mississippi State, the hospital staff, the football fans around the world. And thank you for sharing the joy of our beloved husband and father's life. And that's the word for, for Coach Leach is, is joy. Uh, he brought so much joy and we remember him and, and honor him today with the tribute. Elijah, you've got the rundown sheet. We have been blessed because of his generosity and charity is a word used in the statement, and his charity with with us for going all the way back to 2012. And uh it's uh something to to think about uh with him. A couple of emails to to read, and this is from Robert. Uh, Chris, know you must be saddened by the passing of your friend, Coach Leach. I love listening to him on ESPN Lincoln, telling funny stories. Such an interesting character, so bright and witty. Retelling his stories and remembering Mike will keep him alive in our hearts. Absolutely, uh, you, you got to smile and be thankful for the moments that uh, that you have. And uh, that's how I'm going to approach things. Chip uh, emails in. I listened to your pod this evening and appreciate your tribute and personal recollection with your history of Coach Leach. Been a fan of his for years. Sad to hear about his health situation and his passing. Prayers to him and his family. Chip, thanks for your listenership and, um, and, and writing in. Uh, this was from a coworker, And this was this was pure Leach. You'd find some common ground and you'd have a good time together. Uh, Chris, listen, every day thought you did a wonderful job with Coach's News yesterday. And the story about the Rotten Steaks was hilarious. Uh, I loved it when he was on your show. An accolade to have him on. Uh, My husband and another business partner ran into the Pirate at a sports merchandise show in Vegas. A few years back, he asked where we're from. We said Nebraska. He's like, "You want to go have some beers? So you're from Nebraska." So that was really cool. Elijah, a thought from you on the pirate before we start the tribute. Uh, just a, a word of warning with this first tribute: if you've got little ones uh, in the car, it's uh, it's Santa related. So I'll let you do the math on that. But Elijah, a thought on the pirate, and then Connor, a thought on the pirate.
3: Well it's been uh it's been hard today to go back and watch all these videos of the good times with Mike Leach of, of various interviews and that's what I've spent my afternoon in here doing is going and cutting together this long highlight package of the best moments of, of him being on our show and it's just put a smile on my face being able to be able to listen to Mike Leach and his in his own way, mm-hmm. you know, tell stories and, and give his thoughts on the world. And it's been uh a little bit fulfilling in here to just go back and listen to as you said, the past over 10 years of interviews mm-hmm. with Mike Leach and go find the, the single best answers that he has. Pretty much in a every lot of single good there's answers. There's a ton of them. And for reference, I'm currently in the process of putting together a, a highlight package, which has come out to 42 minutes long of his best individual moments uh, from 10 plus years on this mm-hmm. show. And uh, we're going to hope to get that up on on social media and uh, in podcast form so people can take a listen to it just because there's been so many great moments through the years. And it's, it's put a smile on my face to get a chance to go back and relive some yeah, of those. Yeah, we
2: love you, Pirate, and miss you. Connor, a thought from you, bud.
4: Well, I never got to.
2: Hold on one second. There we go. There
4: we go. Are we good now? Yes. Now we are. Okay, cool. Well, I never got to be in one of those video, or interviews just because that's not how the, the schedule ends up working out. But um, just from a fan perspective, I mean, he was really, really funny. Obviously, a lot of people know that. And he did some you know, outlandish things as a coach. You mentioned the selfie thing while well, his team is literally having a fight on the field after a game. So he was just fun. Yeah. Um, I was never, like, a fan of the teams that he coached, but, you know, you always kind of knew what was going on because Coach Leach was coaching them, and Mm -hmm. he was either saying some funny things at a press conference or doing something funny on the sidelines. So he will be dearly missed and definitely a a big part of the culture that is college football, Mm -hmm. and I know a a lot of fans are are mourning this, this sad day.
2: Yep, fingerprints all over it. Without further ado, let's get the tribute to the Pirates started uh, fake or real trees, and uh, the uh, the the part about Santa. We love you, pirate. Now I got to ask you: With the holiday season, are you a fake tree or real tree guy? Uh, p-
5: well, prefer real trees. Uh, like most people, have uh, copped out and uh, and uh, and do fake trees. Yeah, it's been straight fake trees for the last couple years. I like real trees better.
2: And did you eventually break the news to the young ones about Santa, or did you let them learn on your own, on their own?
5: My oldest daughter, it was a bit of a jolt, ah. uh, the Santa thing. And then after that, uh, if I remember correctly. Correctly, we had my oldest daughter convinced, and you know, wanted her to have that experience, believe in Santa. Which I was mixed on that because I'm still a little pissed on um, the deception that took place with uh, with me and Santa and my parents years ago. You know, and um, and my oldest daughter, if I recall correctly, she I mean she was into Santa, was inclined to believe in Santa. And my mom, my wife was more into pushing that than I was, uh, and I imagine she's still mad too because she's got a temper, and so um, <laughs> she didn't like the fact that uh, that uh, she'd been uh, led, <laughs> led down a dark path from the Santa thing. And then <clears throat> my next daughter—it's almost like she knew from the beginning that there wasn't Santa Claus, and she—and and it was sort of like. Uh, she says, "Well, of course it's not real. Everybody knows that, you know." She is one of those that saw through it right from the beginning. And then from there on, the other kids, it was just, uh, I guess, osmosis from uh, from the older kids that no, there wasn't Santa. So they they had a, they, they they had a lot better time of it than I did.
2: Well, tell me about your experience. What happened?
5: Well, I'm going along and see. Back then, Santa was more heavily reinforced, I think, than it is now. And back then, um, you know, Santa this, Santa that. And and I've been picking away at the Santa story for years because I was always, you know, skeptical. Uh, And I mean skeptical to the point where, you know, as it got towards Christmas and mom was kind of suspiciously ducking in and ducking out. Well, I would go on search parties and search the house uh, surreptitiously and uh, find uh, presents and things stashed away. And I mean, even to the point, and this is not the child, the type of child someone wants, but nevertheless, um, you know, I'd have it worked out what I wanted, and I'd even do stuff like when I, she was going to be gone for a while, uh, and, I, and, be, and I was a master of it. I would unwrap uh, the presents, you know, get a paring knife and just slip the tape, you know, where the, it was wrapped and slip the box out check it out, you know, play with it for half an hour, put it back in, tape it back up, uh, and look surprised at Christmas. Well, then it got to be where, well, we got all these presents. Because, see, I knew, I knew that, all right, I'd seen some of these presents. But there was always something, you know, because she'd wrap it and they'd end up under the tree. But there would always be something on Christmas Day that wasn't part of... uh, <clears throat> the wrapped ones I discovered and basically they were generally somebody like whether it was a, a, a younger brother or sister getting a tricycle or something somebody was getting something big enough that it wasn't practical to wrap ah. or something some misshapen so it wasn't practical to wrap <clears throat> and so then what the, they would do is they'd of course set that under the tree and so Others aren't left out with uh, unwrapped things under the tree in the morning, you know, so you'd wake up in the morning and boom, there's uh, some extra stuff. And that would include like if, uh, a tricycle or something big. And so, well, so nobody's left out. They would ensure that somebody, that everybody got something under the tree um, the morning of. And so... Well, so then it's like, uh, you know, I start out with a a line of questioning. Of course, (laughs) and this went on for years. I start out with a line of questioning. Um, So uh, does Santa get us all of the presents? You know, um, well, uh, no, Grandma and Grandpa get us some presents, you know. Uh, Well, how about uh, other things like this or like that? And then I'd say, well, how about how about how about uh, the Daniel Boone gun that I got last year? Did Santa get me that, or did you get me that?
2: How do you communicate between the two? Occasionally, she
5: she'd she'd get stuck, and she'd say, "Well, uh, I don't remember." You know, uh, sometimes you know, but uh, you know, there's uh, and then it eventually worked its way towards. Well, the stuff on Christmas, uh, you know, that you. Uh, that's out there, you know, on Christmas morning, that's definitely Santa, you know and so, I was starting to close in, but you know, the thing is I was still a believer ah. and uh, I was still a believer and uh, somewhere along the line uh, and there wasn't as you know, then it was the type of thing on TV, you had three channels which right. amazingly several of the shows that I would watch are still on, Charlie Brown Christmas, hmm. uh, the Rudolph uh the red nosed reindeer with that's like made out of puppets or whatever, and Burl Ives is a, a snowman in the thing. I mean, um, so remarkably, some of them still on. But anyway, as I start closing in, eventually you could tell because the parrots had that expression on their face. We, we need to have a talk about something, and so <laughs> and this is as my. And keep in mind, the, the, the intense questioning had gone on for like three years. They are tired and of so, it, huh? <laughs> and, so, and, and so then eventually it's like they got a goofy expression on their face, and it's leading into Christmas, as I recall correctly. It's like uh, probably this time, you know, this time of year in relation to Christmas. Uh, well, uh, we have to have a talk. Uh, okay, now this stuff about Santa Claus. Well, it's like my parents had never lied to me. I mean, it was a loss of innocence. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, you can't go home anymore, and it's not the same. I mean, it's all those things. Just as, and then, and then I even started rattling through. Well, I asked about this, and I asked about this, and I asked about this. Bam, wham, right in the face. You know, I mean, there isn't a nice man uh, up north with a, a bunch of friendly elves uh, pulls all this stuff off. And I would have to say, our family. Uh, my sister was like, "Oh well, whatever." <laughs> and then, um, and then my brother was. Well, he was younger, and he was just trying to stay out of harm's way from me and my sister. So. Um, She was, uh, you know, she was a fairly... uh, My sister was and still is a person that'll put her hands on you. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so... but anyway, so you're really opening up the holidays on a positive note with uh, with your listeners. So, uh, <laughs> we'll Merry Christmas to everybody.
2: We'll warn them. Uh, Santa's got a sweatshop, and it's breaking and entering. Mike Leach with us, Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, before we say goodbye, got to get your thoughts on UCLA. Uh, Nebraska is in the Foster Farms Bowl against the Bruins. You guys had a great win on the road at UCLA this year.
5: Uh, Bruins very explosive, uh, explosive team would be the best way to describe it. Uh, that that uh, running back is their best player. Quarterback's very talented, but the running back is the best player. And uh, Perkins is his name, mm-hmm. and he's he's really a good player. And the biggest thing is you know it's like to all these guys. Of course, Nebraska is the same way. I mean, the offensive line and defensive line—they're just big physical guys uh, I found their secondary to be uh, pretty athletic they're they're young but don't let that deceive you they're pretty darn athletic I thought UCLA was a talented group we played Oregon too Oregon so fast UCLA is bigger than Oregon though UCLA is good and a good combination of speed and athleticism. There have been times that they have, uh, and the quarterback's a good passer. But you know, where they 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 have a little more dimension and maybe to the way they throw it. Some, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're more run, run, play action downfield. Is kind of what they are.
2: You know, okay. Coach Leach. Uh, that was back when well, Nebraska made a bowl game.
3: Yeah, throwback. And Nebraska had physical lines of scrimmage. Yeah, throwback.
2: More uh, on the tribute today for Coach Leach. Mitch Sherman's with us next on Hale Varsity. dollars off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark in more of Mike Leach stories from Coach Leach uh, when he was with us and Uh, Joined the show. Tough day in college football. Mitch Sherman with us. Mitch has done amazing work for a number of years with The Athletic and ESPN at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Read him with The Athletic. Mitch, I'm going to start off with just uh, a story or an anecdote in your travels around the college football world about Coach Leach.
0: Yeah, um, not so much in my travels, although I did get to interact with him and it always was. Exactly that. It was interacting, you know, with a lot of coaches. It's, they're talking to you, and and you're you're listening. But with Leach, it was definitely always an interaction. Whenever um, I had the chance to see him, and I know whenever anybody had the chance to see him in, in our line of work, and re, and really, you know, I, I, just anybody on the street. I heard from people today who knew him in Florida. You know, people who who came across him in his time in, in Key West, who had nothing to do with football, and were 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 shaken up and, and had their hearts broken today by the news because he was just, they didn't necessarily know him as a football coach. People there, uh, some people there knew him as just a guy that they would see that was recognizable and, and, and you know, was Coach Leach to so many different people. I, I remember him well um, from his time holding court at Big 12 Media Days, um, from his time in the post-game interviews after Texas Tech-Nebraska games in the um, in the 2000s, decade before the Huskers left for the Big Ten. And then in, in my time at ESPN, I, I relayed this story to you. Um, last night when, when we were chatting on text about Mike Leach, I reached out to him having, I don't think, ever called him before, but I got his number from somebody associated with Washington state and was writing a story for ESPN at the time, I believe around bowl season about the prominence of freshman quarterbacks and the emergence of young players. And, you know, Leach was as much an expert on quarterback play and offensive play as anybody in the country. So, He was a good resource for this article about why young players were having so much success, and I just called him, and he answered, which is rare for uh, a a Pac-12 head coach, a Power 5 head coach, and we chatted for a solid 20 minutes about that subject and who knows what else. I, I just remember being entertained and, and I don't I don't even know what he talked about and that was never really the that was never really the point and, and I spent a good chunk of this morning watching YouTube videos of Leach talking about anything and everything and it wasn't that he was talking about the coin toss or the Pac twelve mascots or dressing up as Santa Claus or teaching driver's ed to his kids, whatever. It it didn't matter what it was. It was just the way that he had about himself to be so unassuming and and just to to be willing to talk about any subject at any time was truly amazing and unique for somebody in his position.
2: That's well said, Mitch. And yeah, he covered all sorts of ground all the time. And it was... So much fun to, like you say, interact with him, and and hear his, his stories, and uh, college, you know the his fingerprints are are all over college football. You look at his coaching mm-hmm. tree, and, and then you look at the the adoption of of his style of offense with the Mahomes style quarterbacks. Mahomes is his own deal, obviously, but I mean it's it's grown, and it's really cool to see the sport we love covering. Uh, and, and his, his impact that will last forever.
0: Well, he's made it intensely more interesting. Even, with, even with, without him here, college football is a more interesting place, an entertaining place because of him. And it's not just college football. It's all over in high school football, even in states like Nebraska, where for years, for generations, you know, we watched the I formation and the option and the wishbone, and all kinds of different variations of the running game, the air raid has made its way in to places that you would never expect it to happen. And you'll see it at Memorial Stadium on cold November days with state championships on the line just as often as you'll see teams lining up with a fullback and an eye back and two tight ends. So... It's and you know he was one of the Godfathers. I know he learned from Hal Mummy mm-hmm. and you know Hal Mummy probably was the ultimate Godfather of that air raid offense. But Leach is the one who took it widespread, who took it mainstream, and who helped create characters like Cliff Kingsbury and and other quarterbacks at Texas Tech that then led to the superstardom of Patrick Mahomes um, and and then quarterbacks all over the country at places that were associated with Texas Tech or not associated with Texas Tech. And I think that's the true mark of a a coaching genius and that, that his system is adopted not only by the coaches and the players who are directly associated with him, but it was also adopted and continues to be adopted by coaches who never came across him. Maybe even coaches who never listened to him talk at a clinic or who meant to model their system after him. They modeled it after somebody who modeled it after somebody who modeled it after him. There are fourth and fifth generation air raid coaches out there who came from the leech mummy Tree, whether they know it or not, or intended it to be that way or not, and and that speaks again, like so much else that we've talked about today, to his impact on the sport. Well, Mitch,
3: you mentioned that, but I think what speaks to the legacy of of Coach Leach is, I mean, as you said, there's passing combos uh in in college football and really in the NFL and high school that wouldn't be around if it wasn't for Mike Leach. He really did change football forever, and yet. On a day like today, we're not talking about his, his impact in the game of football. We're talking about those human-to-human moments with Mike Leach where somebody met him on the street or, or that one moment in a press conference. I think that speaks to, to who he was as a person and what made him so great.
0: And, you know, and that's something about college football that I think he reminded of us, us of today is just what a small place it is and you know what a tight-knit community the sport is. And it doesn't take um, a moment like this to recognize that. A moment where, and this is so rare, uh, to 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 lose someone who is in in that position. You know, normally we hear about coaches in their 80s and 90s who who are passing away, guys who have been out of the game, you know, or at least off the sideline for decades. And you know, here we have someone who's 61 and and and, and was supposed to be taking his team to a bowl game this month. So that that it really brings home. Like you said, Elijah, the the the, um, the relationship factor in the sport and how much everybody cares about everyone else in the sport, especially in the coaching community. I was working yesterday on, on a piece that, that published today about Tony White, Nebraska's new defensive coordinator, and this has got nothing to do with Mike Leach, or so we think, because it's about the three three five defense, and it is in some way a defense that was designed to stop offenses like the air raid. But really, there's, there's not a direct link between the three three five defense and Tony White and Mike Leach until you start to look a little bit deeper and you recognize that Zach Arnett, who's 36 years old and is now in charge of the program at Mississippi State um, with, with the unfortunate timing of what has happened in these past few days. He is a disciple of the system that produced Tony White, Nebraska's new defensive coordinator. And Zach Arnett and Tony White are extremely close. I would imagine that Nebraska's new defensive coordinator has been having conversations and helping the new Mississippi state coach, the interim coach who's 36 years old through this moment that he's going through right now. White was the linebackers coach at a young age in his first full-time position at New Mexico when Zach Arnett was a senior a senior linebacker in college they both coached at San Diego State for Rocky Long Arnett was offered the job and accepted it at Syracuse for Dino Babers in 2020 to be the defensive coordinator but Leach pulled him away after less than 2 weeks and that job went to Tony White so in essence Tony White after his success at Syracuse the last 3 years is only at Nebraska because Zach Arnett left to go to Mississippi State and created an opening for him to boost his coaching profile. So all of that reinforces what a small world and a small community and small circles exist within coaching. And, again, Leach is, is um, you know a, a shining example of that.
4: Mitch Sherman's with us on Hill Varsity Radio. Mitch, going back to just the personality of the Pirates, Have you ever seen another coach that you mentioned how it was, you know, more of a personal conversation rather than you ask, he gives an answer? Have you ever seen or interacted with a coach just like Mike Leach at all?
0: He was unique. Um, You know, clearly there are other coaches out there who are are big personalities and interesting personalities. Usually when when someone ascends to that level of, of being head coach, they become, you know, more buttoned up, more. I think what we would look at as as professional, they you know don't show their their personality as much. So yeah, I've come across guys uh, who who are assistant coaches. I mean, I, I think of George Darlington mm-hmm. at Nebraska, who who for you know over thirty years was um, always a colorful character, and he he had uh, much different than Mike Leach, but he had kind of a Leach type quality to him where you never really knew where the conversation was going to go with George. And fortunately we were still able to have those kind of conversations with him, um, you know, decades after, after his retirement. Um, th- but usually with the head coaches, no. Um, when, when somebody gets to that level and they, they earn the kind of money and have the eyes on them that head coaches do, um, they settle into, into more of a role where um, access is, is restricted and we don't really get to see the personal side of them.
2: Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. Uh, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter and a phenomenal story on Nebraska's new defensive coordinator, Tony White, uh, the crossover, uh, a little bit of the, uh, the, the leech fingerprints uh, with, with Arnett. And, uh, Mitch, thanks for your time today. Thanks for reaching out yesterday, and it's always fun to spend time with you, and thanks for uh, helping remember the Pirate today
0: absolutely good to talk to
2: you all right there he is mitch sherman with us here on hail varsity radio appreciate his time great story and uh fantastic work as always by mitch we'll continue to uh pay homage to uh, coach leach we'll have uh, more of his anecdotes uh from his time with us on the show and uh we'll spend time uh, with uh the sporting news uh coming up next and now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time today. at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. You can find us on Twitter, at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence, and at C underscore Clark underscore 27. We are sad about the news with Coach Leach. We have... Nothing but thoughts and prayers to his family in our hearts, and uh, I know the uh, college football world and beyond have reached out and sent their tributes and their thoughts. And that's what today is. We smile about Coach Leach, his life, and uh, what a wonderful, uh, caring and giving person he he was. And we're uh, spending today with tribute to Leach and some of the coaches. Time with us here on Hale Varsity. Where are we going here?
3: Well, as I said back in uh, in segment one, we have so many different moments through the years that there's not enough that we can play all during a uh, a live radio show. As I said, we're we're approaching an hour worth of content of just one to two little minute sound bites that uh, we've put together into a a big long file. And I'm trying to get that up uh, in podcast form so the people at home can listen to all the great moments. We have uh, a couple good ones from him staying at the Roosevelt Hotel, uh, looking for ghosts to his opinion on riots uh his reaction to being photoshopped as a woman with all the other SEC yeah, coaches. I remember when that came
2: out a couple of years ago with s e c media day all the coaches got photoshopped as females <laughs> so we'll uh we'll start with the 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 photoshop he was doing an interview with us a couple of years ago, and I asked him about the the photoshop uh where he uh was uh, superimposed as a woman wig and blouse and everything so We'll get that, and then when Coach Leach went ghost hunting at the Roosevelt, Roosevelt Hotel here on Hale Varsity, Coach, did you see on Twitter yesterday somebody got real busy superimposing coaches of the SEC and other conferences on on uh, on females? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh-oh. What do you What do you think of your portrait?
5: Well, some of them are trying to dress their guys up uh, a little more than I am, and, and, and to be perfectly honest, some of them look sluttier than others. Um, uh, you know, I still had uh, very much a mas- uh, masculine quality, so I did appreciate that part of my uh, of my uh, caricature of uh, that.
2: Well, so you're telling me you would you wouldn't dress as conservatively.
5: Um, well, I'd probably dress like I do now, to be honest with you.
2: Um, okay.
5: <laughs> and and I, would, I would probably dress as uh, like I do now. But I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't see my sisters a little bit in, uh, sure. in uh, <laughs> that picture of me when they turned me into a woman, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Coach Mike Leach, this is the Roosevelt Hotel story. I think we talked to Coach around Halloween a few years back. Coach, I want to ask you about okay, I am looking at your Twitter feed and you sent out a tweet a while back about haunted highways and byways. Have you ever stayed in a haunted house?
5: Shoot, I think my mother-in-law's house is haunted, but um the I mean, she's a great lady, but okay. there's this <laughs> one bedroom that's got some uh, wild stuff. What, what but, what's uh, what's gone on? What happened there? Oh, you know, just uh I guess the furniture belonged to a relative and stuff, and it's really more of a vibe than anything else. But there was there was a room I stayed in at the Roosevelt Hotel years ago in Los Angeles. It's in Hollywood, the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And um, the person at the desk said that the room was supposed to be haunted. And then, um, you know, I, I stayed up all night hoping I'd see something. I didn't stay up all night. I mean, I'd sleep and try to pretend to sleep so the ghost would think I was asleep so so I could catch him, but no such luck. I think the ghosts are onto those that uh, that want to see him, and uh, so I think they make it difficult. Um, but uh, no, I never saw a ghost there, but the room's supposed to be haunted, and uh, people, I guess, have either run out of that room because they had a bad experience or try to rent that room because they're Hoping they see one. Uh, me, I just got there late, and that's all that was left. And they were trying to not rent it, but I already had a reservation. And there was a certain amount of negotiation between the girl, uh, the girl at the desk, and the manager as to whether they were going to let me in there. Because I guess somebody had a tough time and left, or something. And uh, but you know, I'm stuck there in L.A. at 10 p.m. Have to get up early in the morning, and it's hard enough to get hotels as it was. And, I just made it clear I was going to either sleep in their lobby or I was going to sleep in the room that uh, they'd promised me that I'd reserved two weeks before, and so they sent me up to the haunted room. And we had an agreement that um, that um, you know if I got scared and ran out of the room, then I took my own chances and um, and uh, uh, you know no harm, no foul. And so I don't know. I didn't get to see. I I, I didn't see anything. And so then. But it was a really cool room. I mean, it was a cool old, old Hollywood room, like from the standpoint you walked into it, it had a great view. Look down Hollywood Strip, uh, down the street, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, across the street, Mans Chinese Theater. Okay, then the other thing, it was one of those that you walk in, and there's like a sitting room. It's like a suite. So there's okay. a sitting room with this old furniture, really cool moldings on the wall. And actually a library, kind of a, a library, okay? And then um, um, there was a fireplace, which hasn't been uh, used in years, and it did cross my mind how much fun it would be to go find some wood and stoke up that fireplace, but I imagine they'd get upset. And um, and then uh, the bathroom, you know, kind of those chicken wire floors, those old sure. fixtures, Um you know, some marble countertop, uh, you know, one of those big tubs with uh, the, the feet and everything. And uh, uh, anyway, so the bed, again, was right on the corner, kind of an upper corner of that hotel, where one window's looking right down the, uh, the boulevard and the other's right across the street. So it was a very cool setting. Um, you know, as far as it goes, well... From my experience, maybe not as many ghosts as advertised, but still a great room. And I forget which one it is, but if you can get in there, uh, get in there. And I highly recommend it.
2: Mike Leach uh, wanting to stay in the haunted room at the Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, That was, uh, you know, think about this. We've all stayed in hotels and he, he went and reserved the haunted room or he was going to sleep in the lobby. Uh, only the pirate. We'll have <laughs> some more thoughts from uh, Coach Leach as uh, we, we spend tribute today and pay tribute to great football coach and more and more social media uh, thoughts and prayers are outpouring. Uh, Kyle Whittingham uh, released a statement. Lane Kiffin was very, very heartfelt and thoughtful towards Coach Leach. And then even uh, Matthew McConaughey. And I don't know if you know this story, but Matthew McConaughey invited Coach Leach to his wedding. And I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. And so, Coach, what'd you, get? what'd you get Matthew for the wedding gift? And he got McConaughey. It wasn't for Matthew. It was for Matthew's wife in case he got out of line. An authentic, like 1700s pirate sword he had. What? And that's what he gave the McConaugheys for their wedding gift. Only Mike Leach. <laughs> well, it's a pirate. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues, presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. at Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark, paying tribute to the Pirate today, Mike Leach. And a reminder to get buckled up, one of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, in hour two, we'll spend some time with Bill Bender, uh, his thoughts on the uh, coaching carousel hires uh, this football season. It's been a wacky, uh, silly season. It's been a while since we caught up with uh, Bill. Bill's also on the National College football landscape, like Mitch Sherman. Get his thoughts uh, on on Coach Leach. And then we'll air our sit-down from last week with Coach Leach uh, in Hour 2, where Uh, We were able to spend some time with the Pirate. This uh, is right after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. Big Cubs fan. The Pirate was just a big baseball fan, loved the Angels, not a big Dodgers guy, Uh, but he uh, was smiling about the Cubs, and somehow that led into the topic of rioting. So more from the Pirate. Oh God, i can't imagine you rioting how would michael how would each riot
5: i think i think a portion of rioting is that i think there's a portion of it where it must actually be kind of fun um because <laughs> it certainly doesn't seem to be hard to coax these people to do it it's like when i was in berkeley one time um I was in Berkeley uh, recruiting. I mean, then I was, I'm trying to think where I was coaching. I think <clears throat> I was at the University of Kentucky, but we were driving through Berkeley um, recruiting, and, um, you know, all the traffic stopped, and there's police out there in riot gear, and <clears throat> there's all these uh, students and people holding hands and centipeding through traffic. And this was years ago. So I rolled down the window, and I said, you know, to one of the people filing through, I said, hey, so what's going on? And the guy says, I don't know. We're protesting something. I go, really? What are you protesting? He goes, I think it has something to do with Nicaragua. I don't know for sure, but it's fun anyway. We just started. Maybe once we get closer to the front, um, we can find out what we're protesting but it's pretty fun anyway and this goes on around here all the time i mean <clears throat> there's a point to where some of the protesting is recreational and um for various reasons i think that people don't particularly care <laughs> um you know so um yeah uh, but anyways those were happy protesters uh and, you know, obviously, you want to discourage violent protest because that ain't good for anybody.
2: Mike Leach with us here on Hale Varsity. Uh, the remembrance of Mike Leach as the coach passed away uh, last night and uh, we're remembering him today and plenty more. And uh, coach will uh, be missed dearly by uh, those in the college football world and those that are just uh, fans. Uh, because he's such a caring, giving guy. And uh, we'll spend time with Bill Bender, Sporting News, some college football thoughts from Bill, and uh, our final sit-down with Coach Leach from last week on Hale Varsity.
3: Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting TeamJackFoundation.org.
1: Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz.
2: Back with you, Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. We welcome in with the sporting news, Bill Bender with us at Bender 92 is where you can follow him. Bill, we'll dive into some college football and coaching cycle and NFL, but man, uh, one in the million, uh, Coach Mike Leach passing away and uh, the college football world's reacting. And Did you have any, any fun stories or interactions with Coach? Well, i know you
6: had more i you know I, I put in a column i wrote today i interviewed him back in 15 for a story about luke falk mm-hmm. and i was you know you went into the interview i know you knew him a little more and i was you know, anticipating all these crazy conversations and that was good but it was talk about luke falk before i thought about it I was like you know what that was his assignment there and then you know in future interactions obviously God, he's just a great person you know a great mm-hmm. quote great for the game, a colorful character. But as I put, contribution to the actual game is is what is going to stand out with me. I mean, 17 of the last 21 years, Mike Leach's teams led the FBS in passing attempts. I love
2: it. That is impressive. And you look at Coach's coaching tree. I mean, wow, is is what you got to say with guys that not only have thrived, but one at a very high level at at some major spots.
6: Yeah, you know, it it really is. And I, I, you know, like I said, I'm talking, I was looking through his quarterbacks and, you know, he had like nine guys that threw for 4,000 yards. He coached Cliff Kingsbury, who's in the NFL. He coached Graham Harrell and Lincoln Riley was an assistant for him. Sonny Cumbie. So I, and it, it really has changed the game. If you think about it, you know, years ago or so the the college football was still a run you know run the ball and establish the run and and pass from there now it's you set up the run by passing the football and it's a wide open game and i think a lot of that is because of mike leach and his unapologetic way of playing his style was great and then of course as you you probably have millions of stories um I think quotes were better
2: <laughs> <laughs> he uh, his his personality was incredible. Uh, the fun he had his his roughness as well, just the the accountability portion of his equation uh, extremely impressive. but just uh, how giving and caring. how much fun he was. and there's a lot of folks that got uh, to spend time with him. And he made people feel great, and he gave uh you know bill that's it I mean he gave time he was such a such a great dude in that way where he he just loved to chat with you, loved to talk to people
6: yeah and and you know that's that's what made him so fun. I mean, we live in this world now where most i'm not going to say most but a lot of college football or what is it they're prepackaged statements they're i call it the cliche wheel when you mm-hmm. ask a question um you know it there there was no script with his answers you know and we all know the greatest hits whether it was the one about the marriage the wedding <laughs> the mascot fight the, i went back and watched them all last night i forgot about the one where he talked about wanting a pet raccoon and you know i if i could compare him to somebody it reminds me of like my buddies when you know you're sitting there on your couch at nine at night. And then you're like, Hey, what's your favorite? Uh, you know, that one, like what's your favorite candy or Hey, is Will Chamberlain better than uh, Michael Jordan? That kind of guy, he would feed into that. He'd be the perfect person to debate all those things with.
2: He, it was fun. It was, it was fun. It was fun. And the off air talks were priceless. The on air talks were incredible. And just the, the life and times of the pirate with uh, his travels. And I mean, everybody knows him. And and then he, you'd ask, you know, you kind of say, dude, what was what's what's that rarefied air like? Where you're at a event in Vegas with Barkley, or you're down in, uh, you know, Hemingway Land with with John Goodman. Okay, you just bump into one another at a watering hole and. And his advice is, if if you're ever in Key West, uh, don't drink with John Goodman. This is back when John was was drinking. John's no longer drinking anymore, but I, I mean, just just the way he says, like, by the way, if you ever get down to Key West, don't don't, <laughs> don't. drink with John John Goodman. <laughs> so I mean, that's yeah. I mean, and that's what we
6: lose. And and sixty one's far too soon. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. that's one that, that just makes me feel for his family and. um, you know, the Mississippi State community, all the players. I, I thought it was really impressive last night that you saw Texas Tech, you know, posting and countless mm-hmm. coaches that, you know, he was part of that. And um, it's a tough one. It's a tough day um, when you lose somebody like that. And takes a little bit away from the whole season and those kind of things. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how Mississippi State reacts, but he definitely will be missed.
2: Bill Bender is with us, sporting news, Hail Varsity Radio, remembering the Pirate at Bill Bender ninety two on Twitter's where you follow him. Bill, I, I want to get your take on the coaching cycle here for twenty twenty two. We have not talked to you since Coach Rule has been brought in, but it's been a pretty fascinating coaching uh cycle i mean we've got Euphries at auburn brahms off to louisville fickles at wisconsin coach prime is poised and ready in boulder i want to start with rule though and what do you think the, the biggest thing coach rule can bring to nebraska what what do you anticipate him being able to do in lincoln what's his biggest strength as you look at him
6: uh, I think, you know, you want, I want to see how he does with recruiting. From a scheme standpoint, I think he could create something rather quickly that he had at Temple, that he had it, at Baylor, where, you know, Baylor was set up for success when he left. And he flipped them into, and Temple into double-digit win teams. And in the Big Ten West, I just think he'll do a good job. Now, the, the key, and I'm just going to say this about every coach, is what can he do for recruiting in the NIL era? That's what we need to figure out. Um, Can he bring the four and five star athletes to Nebraska and, you know, improve that talent? Can he build the offensive and defensive lines to, I mean, I don't know that you're targeting like Iowa and Minnesota and Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Like, because Wisconsin's going to evolve with Luke fickle and um, Minnesota has evolved on some level with PJ Fleck. I just think he's got a, he's got a project and if, you give him some patience i think it's a great hire
2: i think patience is is absolutely key and and i think he's going to turn guys into that that four star or better talent i think he'll find some players he can mold and i think he can eye the talent and then i think he can develop it and that's that's, you know, Nebraska's either not developed the talent they've been able to bring in or they've just missed on the evaluation bill. And and I think Fickle, I uh, should say, Rule and his staff do do just really good work with that. I mean, you look at some well, some recruiting comps and you're like, okay, Nebraska, just recently, right, you just had 16 kids in for an official visit. Okay, who's offering? It's Nebraska and... Who else? Monmouth, or I mean, right? I mean, that's so. It's not always a peer uh, recruiting type situation, but it's a it's a it's a guy that rule or somebody on his staff like, and that here's what we can do. Here's what we can project with the kid.
6: Well, and if if I may, like a model you could follow, honestly, is what Harbaugh has done in Michigan. Yeah, they're not they're not loaded with five star talent. They have a bunch of four star guys, and one of the things. I think that's what we tried to look when Nebraska hired frost. I thought this would be the same trajectory of, you know, Michigan had some rough years with hardball, but you, you've seen them turn the corner now. And now I don't, I think they're going to have something to say about who wins the big 10 every year. Hmm. Um, And some of that is look at his talent evaluation. He gets a Colston Lublin out of Idaho. He gets you know some of his offensive linemen are three stars. He does a very good job. One of the things Jim Harbaugh's not given enough credit for is um developing talent. He takes a three-star kid and turns him into an NFL player.
2: Well, that I think will be the route for Rule uh if if it's to work in Lincoln, Bill Bender with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Sporting News at Bill Bender 92. Let's talk Wisconsin for a minute, Bill, and their evolution. They're they're at a bit of a crossroads and man did they get a Heck of a good football coach, I think. Fickle probably realized how tough it was to, to to do an encore. He was great last year. They they lost a lot of talent. They're still really good this year, but they're not playoff good, right? So uh, they're nine and three opposed to, to knocking on the playoff door. And now is the time to jump to to Wisconsin. Uh, what do you what do you see with Fickle and Wisconsin? It's not going to be the Christ or Leonard or Barry Alvarez, uh, mode anymore. I mean, right. He's going air raid on offense.
6: I think he's going to try to develop a quarterback like a Desmond Ritter. And this is exactly what Wisconsin needs, because I don't think he'll stray too far from their identity though. Okay. It'll still start in the trenches. It'll still start with defense. I mean, you know, you our, our all American team dropped today. And, Ivan Pace is a first-team selection. He was a two-star linebacker that they turned into an All-American at Cincinnati. Um, Sauce Gardner is one of the best players in the NFL, (laughs) and he developed him at Cincinnati. So I think he's going to take what he did there, and he's a very good recruiter. He has uh, throughout the Midwest because of his – he's got some Catholic school ties, too. That never hurts in the Midwest. And um, I think he's going to do a really nice job there. I think Wisconsin – uh, you know, with all due respect, with what Showman, I think Wisconsin made the best hire of this cycle with him.
2: No, you could absolutely argue that. I mean, it was a great get. Do you like Dion Coach Prime at Colorado? I know that there's so much buzz, and I think he'll he'll recruit. And uh, and you know, the Pac-12s uh, still got the Hollywood flavor for another year or so.
6: I think he's going to do a great job recruiting. I think he's going to increase the visibility on a Colorado football program that has obviously been dormant for a very long time. I'm wondering what. No, the, he's a the guy though, and I've been saying this a couple times, Chris. That people already have their mind made up, right? Sure. So if they're if they're five and seven next season, which I think they'll probably be about five and seven or six and six, um, one person will say, "What a wonderful season!" and and the the next person will say, he's, see, I told you he was a flop." So I think it's just somewhere in between where I'm, I'm glad he's in the game. I mean, it kind of, you know, Mike Leach was a very good personality for the game. I think Dion, whether you love him or hate him, it's great for college football having him on the sideline. I personally, I always tell people I didn't like him when he played because he played for the Cowboys and I'm a Packers fan. But I recognize exactly how good he was. I told my son the other night, Chris, that Tyree Hill, I was like, go play man out there. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't worry about it.
2: And he would have, <laughs> he would, yeah. he, he would, have. not only would he would, have, would Dion probably have blanketed the cheetah, but he probably would have had a punt return later in the game and then went and hit yeah. a home run.
6: <laughs> yeah. He was, he was a, a fantastic athlete. I want to see it and I want to see, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's going to root for somebody like him to fail. I, I think it's great to have him in the game. I think he will be funny. He will bring interest to it. And, like I said on the, on the, it started with the Twitter speech mm-hmm. where, you know, some people were saying, well, that's just horrible coaching, and others were saying that's that's great motivation. With me, as always, I try to say that's probably somewhere in the middle.
2: Well, I think he's pretty straightforward expectation wise with the guys in the locker room. Uh, Brahm to Louisville, I mean, that this is a a big loss for the Big Ten. Braum, uh the last two years and three of the last four years had things going. It Purdue nine wins, some monster upsets, and a Big Ten championship run this year. But uh, home is home, and uh, man, what a loss for Purdue!
6: No, um, it, it really is. It's a it's a loss. It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, he he's such an. I love watching his play calling. Yeah, I love his aggressive play calling. I love some of the creativity in his game. Aiden O'Connell, I was telling people the other, during the Big Ten Championship week, it's like he's going to play in the NFL. I was like, I don't know if he's going to be great, but he's going to play. He'll, he'll play as a backup at the very least. And Brom helped develop him. I mean, sometimes it's just the alma mater calls and you want to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason for him not to. And I think that's a really good gift for Louisville, especially with the way that he'll be able to develop those quarterbacks. And for Purdue – yeah, you know, like a lot of people are saying, Garrett Riley probably should be one of their first calls to keep it going with what they do. They're always both of those schools share something in common. They always have, you know, every once in a while they they pop out an NFL quarterback and they play very well.
2: Uh, Bill Bender with us, sporting news at Bill Bender ninety two. Remember to follow him, Bill. Before we get you out, and thanks for remembering the pirate with us today. College football playoff uh, leach wanted a field of sixty four. We'll get a field of twelve uh, pretty soon, but but right now, uh, are we looking at Georgia, Michigan for the for the championship, or do you have a, a little bit of uh, more faith in TCU and Ohio State?
6: I think Michigan will win, but it's not going to be easy.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: It will happen in the second half, which has kind of happened with them all year. I think Max Duggan's going to give them some fits, though, the way that he can make plays. And you know, it's it's one of those, and you know that from. Days like wins. Does TCU's big 12, 12 style win or does Michigan's big 10 style win? And then on the other side, um, I think it's gonna give Georgia a game. I don't know if they're gonna win, but I think when you have that much four and five star talent that's coming off a loss and kind of had the pride challenge after the Michigan loss, I do think they'll come out and play and, and keep it close.
2: Bill, take care and thanks for your time today.
6: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on.
3: Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
1: And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Back to you, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. More of a tribute to the Pirate today, our interview with him from last Thursday. We welcome in the head pirate, Coach Mike Leach from Mississippi State. Coach, we got some some freezing rain today in eastern Nebraska. How you doing?
5: You know, back when I was in Iowa and I didn't have any money, I had a 79 Cadillac DeVille, and I'd go out there and it would be covered. It looked like a sheet of glass. The old thing covered with a sheet of glass. Trouble is, you couldn't get a key in anything. You couldn't get anything to move. We eventually get to an extension cord and a air dryer, and try to melt the keyhole. And even that was slow duty.
3: Well, have you have you heard of what they do in Alaska, where they'll they actually go build a fire underneath their car to get everything thawed? It's seriously, corkly. yeah.
5: I've always wondered about that a little bit. I mean, isn't that how you blow up a car? <laughs> like if you watch movies and stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, of course, if you watch movies, a couple things on movies, and I think they're transitional, like uh, you know, just vehicles to move around or eliminate characters. But you know, you got these cars, which we're driving them around all the time, and they get in wrecks all the time. But you know, in these movies, if you If you hit a car wrong, it'll just immediately blow up. Um, As in, you know, well, any car that goes off a cliff, of course, blows up. And then, um, and so, you know, they're awfully combustible. It's like, you know, driving something fueled by nitroglycerin if it's on a movie. Okay, then the other thing that they love to do is uh, anytime you need to eliminate a character or need a character to pause, you conk him on the head and knock him out for a little bit. And he passes out for whatever allotted time you need. And then, of course, he'll get up again. And, uh, you know, main characters may get knocked out several times while still prevailing in the end. And then, uh, of course, villains will get knocked out until you can get past them or whatever's convenient, you know. But the knocking out and yet, uh, you know, people come back um, bright and perky and letting it rip, you know. I think the the concussion protocol people uh, need to meet with the movie people and uh, (laughs) figure out how to recover uh, in the fashion they do in movies.
2: Mike Leach with us, Sale Varsity Radio, head coach, Mississippi State. The, the extension cord and hairdryer, a 79 Cadillac, dealing with uh, ice and rain. Man, uh, we've gone a lot of spots already. It's, it's awesome to, to spend time with you. You gave us, we are ready to pack up and take off for Ireland, which we did to start the season. And you gave us the, uh, the art of swearing. We love that last conversation. Uh, I want to stick with the driving topic you have kids they've all had their license did you do most of the driver's ed in the family or did you stay away from uh from teaching kids how to drive
5: um i did some you know because i wouldn't like okay so my wife on the driver's ed thing she'll sit in the passenger side Mm -hmm. but she's constantly uh, stomping on an imaginary brake (laughs) on her side and uh Probably damaging the floorboard as she's constantly slamming her foot into the floor of the passenger side, (laughs) and she doesn't have the temperament uh, to drive with uh, new drivers. I didn't have a problem with it, you know. I mean, I didn't want to hit anything, obviously, but uh, um, you know, I wouldn't get rattled and say it'd be like, all right, you got to turn sooner. Uh, (laughs) You better slow down, you know. I just kind of inform them, just kind of one helpful tip, not a constant dialogue like my wife. Stop, turn, no, no, you got to look at that. We'll look right and left, and then, no, stop, stop, stop You know, it wasn't like that. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like, that wasn't very straight back and out. <laughs> All right, now pull forward, not too fast, and then uh, you got to break a little. and then, so that was more my deal. But to be perfectly honest, the public school system um, had more to do with them sure. learning to drive than me or my wife, either one.
3: Does does teaching driver's ed have any parallels to coaching a high-level Division One college football program?
5: I think it does. I got a good friend, a good friend of mine. And this guy's iconic. This guy's like uh, uh, kind of a local uh, regional hero in South Florida. Okay, so Jerry Hughes, former legendary football coach throughout South Florida. He coached at Miami High, he coached at several of them down there, and then also uh, coached at Key West High School. Okay, so he's always been a driver's ed teacher, and you know, in between. So he's a, a drive, and even now he doesn't coach anymore, but still does driver's ed. <laughs> and and he's the perfect guy because. I mean, to have for a driver's ed teacher, because he wouldn't notice much of anything. Just sort of cruise along, along, drink his coffee or whatever, you know, and, um, he'd be perfect, but, uh, you know, but Jerry, you know, Jerry, like most football coaches, uh, has no problem telling someone what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear. And driving, I think is a critical enough thing with other people involved as far as doing it safely. um, that I think you need a guy like that. Uh, I would get extremely bored being a driver's ed teacher. It'd drive me crazy. But Jerry still is a driver's ed teacher. And, you know, there's... Oh, God, there's got to be... There's got to be thousands of people on the roads right now um, that learn to drive with Jerry Hughes, including my son. My son, when we were down in Key West for two years, my son, uh, uh, Jerry Hughes, uh, taught my son to drive. And so... He's like uh, the ultimate kind of uh, knowledgeable yet gruff-crusty uh, <laughs> football coach and master's driver's ed instructor.
2: Mike Leach with us. A few minutes, hail Varsity Radio. Coach, I want to ask you about the the living room. It's that time of year. It's early signing period. You're out recruiting. Uh, what's your approach in the living room with a with a prospect, and who did you you learn the art of recruiting from? Who, who's been some really dynamic folks uh, that, that you've been around, and you know you've done a marvelous job through your career of landing high profile talent, but also finding guys and developing really good football players.
5: Well, I think when you go into a living room, I think. Um I think you, when you go into the living room, I think the biggest thing is is uh, um, act like you belong there. I mean, just the people in the living room, it's their living room. I mean, don't mess with their TV or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> but uh, make make yourself at home. But, you know, I mean, some guys come in just so wound up and uptight, I mean, where you're not going to belong anywhere. Yeah, And then um, – I never wear a coat and tie. You know, you're already, there's a little bit of a distance separation. You know, they see you on TV, and now I'm going to come in in some really uptight coat and tie. I never do that. You know, you try to, like I say, dress like you belong in the living room, Mm -hmm. and so you want something kind of neutral, I think. And then, you know, and just carry on the conversation, learn about one another. I think that's probably the most important thing, because I'm on the visit, and the phone calls, you learn a lot about the X's and O's and things of that nature. I think, uh, uh, I've had, well, I've been around some, some, uh, you know, great recruiters. Uh, and I thought Hal Mummy was a really good recruiter. Uh, um, but, uh, and then, um, you know, when I was coming up and, and then I thought that, you know, uh, of course, uh, Bob Stoops and his staff are really good recruiters. And then, now I did uh, become a head coach quick enough that I didn't have a ton of mentors in this. But I know that um, um, you know the one thing everybody thinks kind of the super salesman, slick car dealer type of guy is the best recruiter. I know some of the most kind of. Borings not the right word, but uh, kind of understated. Mm-hmm. just the fact only football type of football coaches who are great recruiters. And the one quality that all really good recruiters have is persistence. There's <clears throat> I know some of those really slick, sharp looking guys, terrible recruiters. And I know some some of the most dour-looking, uh, you know, grumpy football coach types, great recruiters. Uh, the one thing all great recruiters have in common is <laughs> persistence, just persistence. You know, because you never know which call, which conversation, which letter uh, is going to strike a chord. Persistence. Nothing replaces persistence. And then after that, you just got to be yourself. Those that are trying to not be themselves, I think, damage their effort. Um, but, uh, and then uh, talent on the phone is good um, because, you know, that's what uh, you're allowed to do the most, you know, if you think about over the, like, as far as uh, being close to somebody and that you're allowed to do the most often and the longest. It's the phone, and um, so people that are, are good on the phone and that you can just, uh, you know, just hammer away. Not necessarily long, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, anything in particular, but persistence and good on the phone.
3: Coach Mike Leach is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Coach, let's say you're in a recruit's living room and you're 15, 20 minutes in the conversation, you just feel something isn't going right. Do you have any Coach Leach-approved, tried-and-true methods to get that in-home visit back on track?
5: Sometimes uh, um, it kind of depends what. But I think um, the more you can get the recruit and their family talking, uh, one, the less likely that is to happen. Two, that's probably the best uh, chance of getting it back on track. Uh, get them talking listen to what they want listen to uh, what they're looking for listen to you know and then I think it's important to let them talk as much as they can anyway mm-hmm. you know the truth of the matter is people like to talk they like it when they get to talk even shy people like it when they get to talk and um, <clears throat> don't just open the door and um, them to talk, but try to coax them to talk, because I do think that strengthens a thing, and, and I do think a relationship's stronger, you know, both sides if there's dialogue, you know.
1: And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: A couple more minutes, Mike Leach with us, uh, Mississippi State taking on Illinois, Uh, January 2nd, the Reliant Quest Bowl. Coach, are are you going to tour the old pirate ship, or have you toured the pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium?
5: I never have. I've always wanted to. What is it? Is it just kind of a prop on the side of the stadium, or does it have some stuff? I mean, is there... A uh, quarters you can stay there? Do they have, like, uh, swords st- you can swing around up there? Maybe a hat you wear when you're there? I would think uh,
2: that that you can fire a cannon or two, obviously a prop probably, but, I mean, it looks like uh, a, a normal pirate ship. I would inquire, though, about just camping out there. Stay, stay the night. I'd inquire about its seaworthiness. Yeah.
5: <laughs> do they serve grog? I mean, do they have... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I definitely want to.
2: Well, that'll be that'll be cool. Thoughts on Illinois? Uh, we saw Illinois here in Lincoln uh, in October, and and Coach Bielema has done a, a really nice job. Should be a pretty physical matchup.
5: Well, he's a great guy, and I've known him for a long, long time. And of course, was a good player too. Yeah, uh, yeah very physical. they're a lot. They're a lot like Coach Bielema. Yeah. You know, they're. Uh, Um, you know, just kind of a physical group on both sides of the ball.
2: Coach, a thought, do you know much or have you had any interactions with Matt rule?
5: Yeah, I know him a little bit. Good guy. Uh, yeah, good guy. I think, I think you'll enjoy him. I've always thought he's a good coach. I mean, you know, I don't know what happened at Carolina. I, I suspect that, you know, the NFL has a funny way of cluttering things up, uh, to the point where it doesn't work. And then, uh, and you know, I mean, who knows whose fault that was, and I certainly uh, wouldn't blame uh, Matt right off the top. But I think I've always thought he's a great guy. Look, he, he's resurrected a bunch of programs. You know, I, the, the hardest thing in the world to do, I mean, resurrecting Temple and Baylor, I mean, now everybody takes it for granted Baylor's going to be good. Well, Matt Rule made it where people think that Baylor's going to be good.
2: You were able to, to to really do well at Tech, and you did well at, at Oklahoma recruiting Texas as well. But, but Matt went in there as a guy that, that didn't really have much contact in the state of Texas, and people swear by him.
5: Yeah, now that's really overrated. One of the most overrated things on earth, now Texas has great uh, high school football. Mm-hmm great high school football, maybe the best in the country. Um, uh, And they're more committed to it, too. And anything uh, people as industrious as the people in Texas are, are committed to is going to be uh, pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then there's a false notion that, well, you can't recruit Texas unless you're from Texas. Well, think about how ridiculous that is. I mean, guy after guy leaves the state of Texas, goes and plays somewhere else. You don't need to be from the state of Texas to recruit someone from the state of Texas. And then the other thing, if you just add it up, most people aren't from the state of Texas. Okay? Uh, You know, like, like, for example, the guy you're talking to or the coach you're talking to, maybe he was born in Texas, but odds are reasonably high that one or both of his Parents were not born in the state of Texas. <laughs> Texas has always been a place that's very much like the U.S., where people move in, move out, mm-hmm. come and go all the time. So, and then of course, I think you know, as people take pride in the, in the high school football there and uh, and the dedication they have to it, then they want to, you know, it, sometimes they get over their skis and try to make it a little more special and. Well, the only people that can recruit them is have to be from Texas. No, Texas is like everybody, you know. Else, I mean, there's stuff that's important. There's stuff that's not, and and you know they are tough and and uh, smart and committed, and and so other tough, smart, committed people from anywhere can recruit somebody from Texas. So we're back to the first thing we started with, which is uh, persistence.
2: Coach, uh, have you had much time uh, or interaction with Deion Sanders? I know he's leaving Jackson State for Colorado, but uh, you and Lane and Coach Prime down in in Mississippi this past couple of seasons.
5: I've known him for a while. I like him a lot. I've always been impressed. I mean, you talk about uh, uh, one of America's achievers, you know, um, plays football like 14 years, and nine of them's playing uh, major league baseball simultaneously. I mean, everybody forgets that. Can you imagine that? You know, long NFL season. Well, but just but before that, he played 162 games. Sometimes he played a few uh, less and got right into uh, got into football a little earlier. But uh, I mean, that that's amazing. That's not just a med That's crazy, amazing. And then <clears throat> the sharp guy uh, has a point. in. Uh, I think you know, I think he's going to do well. But I like him. He's a smart guy. And the other thing is, is you know, if you think about it, I mean, he's he's dedic he's dedicated to this. I mean, uh, Deion Sanders doesn't have to be coaching football. I mean, he can do anything he wants right now. I mean, anything. And yet he decides. You know, he wants to coach football and, you know, ele- elevate players, let them uh, help them reach their potential and uh, compete and <clears throat> create great teams. And so, you know, there's a guy that's really committed, somebody that doesn't have to do it but going to go ahead and do it anyway.
2: Coach, we'll end with this. It's the Christmas season. Uh, holiday parties and dressing up as Santa, have you ever – been to a holiday party where Santa showed up, and have you ever had to play Santa?
5: No, not, oh, wait, 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 way back, way back in grade school, I was in a school play where I was Santa. Uh, let me think, yeah, I was Santa, what else To let's see, uh, I didn't really play Santa. No, I, I I need to get out more, you know, part of it is, is, we got bulls in practice then, but in not a lot of costume-driven parties, you know. I don't know. Maybe a, it, it wouldn't be bad, bad to take a lap through a, a Santa suit party, you know, male-female Santa suit party. <laughs> um, who knows what may go on afterwards, but just take a quick lap and get in and get out and just get the quick visual, you know, and then uh, stay out of harm's way, you know.
3: Coach, while we're talking Christmas, it is the season of giving. I want to get your thoughts on this. I know we said last stop, but I just got one more quick one for you. What do you make of your quarterback, Will Rogers, uh, giving a gift to the head coach's son at your at your rival? Knox Kiffin asked for the towel after the Egg Bowl. What would you make of that? Well,
5: that's fine. I mean, uh, I heard about it secondhand, and these guys could ask for their gloves, their towels, everything else. Some of these guys are more generous than others. I, it was funny because some of those kids, I mean, and they'll go far. As adults, I mean, uh, some of those kids have everything from, you know, like gloves to mouthpieces to, you know, I mean, just an amazing collection of equipment, you know, <laughs> that, that, like, like incredible stuff. And, and from both sides, I mean, lo- those guys will hire me someday.
2: <laughs> Mike Leach with his Coach, Merry Christmas. Best to you and your family. We'll uh, get caught up again and, Uh, But good luck in your bowl game. Always fun spending time with you today.
5: Well, thank you and Merry Christmas to you.
2: It's Mike Leach uh, with us last uh, Thursday. And uh, we'll wind down a tribute to the Pirate on Hale Varsity. Miss us.
1: Come here, brother. Give me man, huh? Bring it in for the real thing.
2: We're on call
1: for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time on Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal were presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, and we've Tried to pay tribute today to, to Mike Leach, passing last night, announcement this morning. And uh, just a gentleman, scholar, incredible football coach, but a people person that gave and cared about people and was generous to us. When you think about the Pirate, smile about what he left and what he gave. This was uh, the Pirate as we got into a discussion about Beth or Ruth. Uh, Ruth from Ozark, Beth from Yellowstone. Mike Leach with us, Mississippi State head coach. Did you grow up with a girl in high school like Ruth from Yellowstone?
5: Yeah, all of them. <laughs> hey, that was Wyoming. I'll tell you this. We did have this. Uh, once in a while, those rodeo girls would start fighting over a guy or just be mad about something. <laughs> And so you'd be in the quad and it wasn't unusual. I mean, not likely maybe, but there might be the homecoming queen or not uh, the rodeo queen. And she might dip, you know, Uh, and, but anyway, especially the rodeo girls, but just girls in general, you know, like on Seinfeld, they talk, everybody wants to see a girl fight. That's true. And then, um, you know, people pretend they don't, but if you're in high school, you definitely do. And um, and so, I don't know. I remember these two rodeo girls got upset with one another. And so you come to the quad after lunch, mm-hmm. and everybody knows it's going to come down, and they're kind of circling around, and everybody's in their little group looking to see where this girl is, that girl is. And then all of a sudden they bolt towards each other and collide in the middle. And then the other thing, and it's a combination of a fist and claw, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A fist and claw. And I, which is honestly quite effective, you know, delivering blows, but also yanking out the handfuls of hair. And they, they, they got after it. Like, uh, like Jim, uh, uh, in, <coughs> a cat to say they got after like cats is not quite accurate because there's a little more brutality in the punch there. Their daddies had taught them to punch. <laughs> I <bet>. And, um, <laughs> and I, uh, you know, i growing up with horses and all that. So then, uh, <laughs> no, nah, and then it went on for like, like three days. Really? Know. At lunch, you go out there again and they just start folding for each other. And, um, uh, you know, in the end, I'm not sure they weren't cousins, um, or distant cousins, or something. But I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, they, uh, yeah. No, I mean, there, there were some roofs in there. No, there were. now there weren't all roofs. I mean, Wyoming's a great place. The most straightforward people on earth, and and uh, also typically uh, do, you know, like Mississippi, you know, work hard, do stuff with their hands that they take for granted that other people are like, what are you doing? You know, what are you touching? What are you, what, you're going to grab that, you know? And they, uh, they, uh, and so the women were tough, you know, but then they, you know, also just some, you know, just some very delightful people, just uh, great people. But, uh, no, you didn't want to cross. There's definitely folks you didn't want to cross.
1: A Huda Media Production.